0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: Weird game. Way, way too many penalties for for both teams. So obviously there was some sort of memo sent out that they were going to take one guy in each scrum. They didn't tell the teams, but um, I mean, what I don't know. We had eight power plays. They had five or six. I mean, it's probably not how it's going to be come playoff time, but. Um, I still think we've we got uh, some area to, to improve.
0: You just kind of got to find a way to get some momentum. You know, it's hard when it's going power play, the kill four and four power
1: play. Um, but yeah, you just got to find a way. Um, you got to find some momentum. Uh, you know, I thought we had some good chances to go some good saves, but also we gave up some great A's as well. So uh, just finding a way to, to stay tight, stay, uh, stay defensive and stay with it. It was a
0: weird game like I, I think, I don't know if anybody got anything out of that game. You know, clearly there was a mandate to call some penalties and there was a lot of them so it was hard to really, hard to judge. There was zero intensity in that game. I'm telling you, there was none. So it may look like it from the stands and it, it was, that was an exhibition game. It wasn't even a regular season game. Huh.
1: That's interesting. Mm. The remarks coming out. It did have a little bit of a feel in terms of a preseason game when we saw who Toronto would be dressing or who they didn't dress, for
0: sure. Did you feel there was no intensity?
1: No, I, I almost, I'll, I'll give you my take on what I'm hearing from the Lightning's locker room a little bit at Bolts Radio here it is, Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Hit us up on Twitter there. Steve Ursic, our producer. Dave Michigan, of course, with me. Greg Linelli. one hour of hockey talk. One more regular season game remaining. The Lightning lose last night to the Leafs. They've lost four in a row. I actually think, and it's interesting hearing John Cooper's message, Stephen Stamkos' message, almost the same. I almost take their remarks as, you know what? Let's, let's publicly say, you know, that game had no... F- flow to it we'll kind of throw that away because who who can get into a game when there's that many penalties when it overshadows maybe the the issue is they actually lost the game <laughs> it's four losses in a row heading into the playoffs uh with one more regular season game remaining it's almost like maybe John Cooper didn't want to publicly critique his team and the one thing he could say to kind of keep the heat off if that's the message per se would be, you know what, this was just a tough game to get into because the referees called way too many penalties and nobody got into the flow. Mm-hmm. That's not how I took it in terms of the game. I thought there was a lot of intensity. <laughs> I mean, you could make a case that it wasn't a well-played game Um, but that's, that's kind of where I, I took that partner. I don't know how you... How you looked at it, I mean, you know, the Leafs didn't dress a couple of elite players. Their starting goaltender was out, and maybe from that standpoint, it had a little bit of a preseason feel, but I thought the intensity was there, for sure.
0: Well, the intensity for the Lightning was higher than it had been in the previous three games. Maybe, uh, like, that Ranger game had fights in it, and and they got their dander up in that game. But they played better. I think they were engaged more last night and certainly in the two previous games, the Islander game and the Ottawa game. I think they played better than they did in the Ranger game. So this was an improvement. Of the four losses they've had since they clinched a playoff spot, this was their best performance. It was far from a a great performance, and I wouldn't even say it was necessarily a good performance, but it was better than what we had seen. And so part of that, I think, was they were more engaged in the game. Now coops at ice level, so like I'm going to defer to him and and you're saying maybe he's he's kind of couching his comments in a way that will help his team come game one next week, but there was certainly some emotion out there. I mean, you wouldn't have seen the number of fights that we had in post whistle scrums, if not for that. now, you do see that sometimes in preseason games. I will acknowledge that. I agree that. It was hard to find flow in that game because the teams combined for fourteen power plays and a lot of those overlaps. So like Nick Paul said, there was power play, penalty kill, four on four, the lines were getting jumbled as a result. But I come out of that game saying it was at least a step I don't wanna say I actually wrote this a step in the right direction and Probably I'm going to not say that on the air with you, Greg. I'm not sure it was a step in the right direction because the Lightning needed to be way better in the playoffs next week. But this was better. Like this this was a better performance. This was a game in which they did more of the things that they're going to need to do to have success in the playoffs. But there's still a long way to go. I mean, I think Stamkos' quote that Steve played at the top, there's still Mm -hmm. work to do, and and he's right about that. Their penalty kill wasn't good enough. Their power play went 0 for 8, even though they had 18 shots credited. So give some credit to Joseph Wall for, for keeping the lightning off the board. And while they really dominated possession in the final 40 minutes, there's no disputing that. They did, even though they still had a fair number of kills in the final 40 minutes they did have some defensive problems. I mean, the eventual game-winning goal scored by Ryan O'Reilly is off a D-zone turnover that led to a grade-A chance for Matthew Nyes and an open rebound for O'Reilly. That was a, a big-time breakdown by the Lightning. And if this were a playoff game and they lost by a goal and that was the winning goal, we would be spending the majority of the show today talking about that play. Now, were the Leafs perfect? No. The Sergachev goal came off an unforced turnover by Toronto, and they did have to lean on their goaltender, but I'm not sure the Leafs are taking too much out of that game. I think the Leafs understand they're going to need to be better defensively come next week than they were in the game last night, but they have been this year. They've been a better defensive team this year, so that might have been a little bit of a one-off, and they had a weird lineup too. No Matthews, no Marner nor Jodano, no Samsonov. It was definitely a makeshift lineup for Toronto. So it's kind of like we said about those two late regular season games last year between the teams. They did not really have any bearing on what we saw in the playoff series. And We're probably going to get into this upcoming playoff series and say the same about this 4-3 Toronto win. Yeah. But I think the I Lightning guess. would like to close out the season not on a five-game losing streak. Sure. So let's see if they can get a W on Thursday against Detroit.
1: At Bolts Radio, hit us up on Twitter if you want to react, you can. I will say this. I felt like Vassy was a
0: little off last night. I don't I know. I agree. In the first period. You know. The two goals in the first period were un like although he made some good saves in the first period. And then he didn't see a lot of activity in the second and third. He only faced 12 shots in the second and third. He's, at, at this
1: stage of his career, probably more so than he was earlier, is is judged by wins and losses more than, hey, what's your goals against and your save percentage? Mm-hmm. Because you would think the high win total you know is going to jive with having a decent goals against and a save percentage that's elite. I do think there is something there where... And this probably speaks to the Lightning being a bit more inconsistent this year than we've seen the last three. And if you don't believe me, just take a look at the road record for whatever reason. That I think defensively, there have been some extreme highs and lows. And I think because of that, this year, at least for me, Dave, this is more of the eye test. I don't know if I have any stats to back it up outside of on the surface. I don't know if the goaltending has been as elite to bail hit the team out when they've had multiple lapses defensively throughout the year, like in previous years. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a fair statement to make. Where do we go from here come playoff time? Again, it's more of, look, based off of previous years, do I think the Lightning will... I mean, you've heard me say that over and over again, but I don't know. And I do think this year in particular, it's been a little more eye-opening that... Both Vassy and Elliott have not been able to perhaps bail their team out as regularly than they have in previous years. And that probably should signal to the team, too, that, you know, look, we got to get our, our butts in gear defensively and, and make sure that our goaltenders don't have to be elite every single stop mm-hmm. in every game.
0: Well, I think this goes back to the question that we have considered, Greg, what can we take out of the regular season that will give us information about what will happen in the playoffs? The regular season as a whole, and then kind of the last, you wanna say quarter of the regular season in terms of peaking, like what teams are peaking heading into the playoffs And we can revisit this. And I I confess, I don't remember well enough some of these other years. Although I know Colorado finished last year's regular season. They had like a pretty average final week to week and a half of the regular season. That didn't affect them at all in the playoffs. But they had a great regular season. And we've talked about the Lightning having kind of a mezza-mezza second half of the regular season in the two years prior to this one. And it didn't slow them up at all in the playoffs. They won a cup in 2021 And they got to the final last year. The 2020 season is just a different animal because we had the four-month break. So that's different. But, like, what teams – the Lightning might be among playoff teams trending the worst going into the playoffs. They're, what, 3-8 and in their last 11. But what teams are trending really well? Well, the Bruins have trended well all year. But they are finishing hot, too. Mm-hmm. Like they have not slowed up one IOTA. No, they have. But beyond them, Edmonton. Edmonton is D up. Edmonton went into Denver last night and won two to one in overtime. They've they've sprinkled in a fair number of shutouts and goals against of one in recent weeks. So they they have a chance still to finish first in their division, first in the conference. They need to make up two points on Vegas. Otherwise they're gonna finish second. Mm-hmm. But let's see what Edmonton does in the playoffs. Colorado has had a very strong finish. Now, part of that was tied to the fact that they were out of the playoffs in terms of their standings position around the All-Star break. So they got it in gear, right. and, and they are playing extremely well. Florida Panthers. Panthers had that one losing streak of whatever it was, four games. But they have been terrific since they had their long home stand. On which they needed to make hay, and they made hay, and they really haven't slowed up at all. So what are they going to do in the playoffs? So what I'm saying is, Greg, this notion of, well, the Lightning haven't been as good defensively this year. Is it going to matter in the playoffs? Is it going to matter in the playoffs for the Lightning? In other words, can they be better defensively in the playoffs, even though they haven't shown it? Sure for the most part in this last stretch, let's say the last third quarter of the regular season, and conversely, the teams that are rolling right now, going into the playoffs, how are they going to fare? Can they keep it up? We're going to find out, right? But I've maintained what I've said as we've taken comments from concerned fans, and you and I have talked about it. If the Lightning play in this series against Toronto, the way they have played... For much of the last month to month and a half, they are going to lose in the first round. Mm-hmm. They are going to need to play better. Correct. The question is, can they? And I think you have been consistent at saying you're giving them the benefit of the doubt that they can. Well, and we've also seen it in the regular season. We've seen it in the regular we season. Have, Their a stretch of four consistent. games where they gave up three goals in yeah, the four it, games. Yeah, it hasn't recently. been.
1: Look, if you want to say the Lightning haven't been as consistently excellent this year as in previous years during the regular season. Fair point. Okay. We can look at some numbers to back that up. That doesn't mean they can't do it during the most intense time of the year. There is the variable that, okay, how does a team like Tampa Bay view the regular season differently than another team who hasn't achieved as much in the playoffs over the last three or four years i think that's a fair question and if you were to tell me that the lightning do view the regular season differently and maybe approach it differently than somebody else in the western conference or somebody else like the new jersey devils in the eastern conference who haven't accomplished anything i think that's a fair point to bring up it might not ease your fears if you're a lightning fan when it comes to the lightning's play heading to the postseason this year but i do think that's where you have to at least look at it and say okay If you believe this team is conserving their energy, not going all out every 82 games of this regular season, because the narrative has been, they played a lot of hockey the last three years, so they wanna conserve their energy a bit, then I think you have to at least acknowledge they're gonna have some maybe more ups and downs during the regular season when maybe it doesn't mean as much because they were never in danger of not making the playoffs. You might not like that answer, But I also think sometimes that's dealing in reality. And, you know, look, on a smaller scale, what did the Maple Leafs do yesterday? Load management. And I can tell you right now, the Maple Leafs haven't had nearly the deeper runs (laughs) Tampa Bay's had over the last three or four years. And they're looking at load management. Now, again, maybe they're in a different spot than Tampa Bay this year with their play and and how well they feel they're defending and, and how things transpire. I will just say, okay but i'm going to need to see them do it in the playoffs and i know what the lightning can do
0: but kind of begs go ahead. kind of kind of begs the question greg then what are we going to see on thursday in the lineup yeah i don't or know or regarding the lineup <laughs> like you and i have differed hitting into this week i felt very certain Vasilevsky would play thursday you were saying i would give Vasilevsky a rest and and we're both we're both reaching the same conclusion or trying to reach the same goal for Vasilevsky which is we want him to be as ready as he's going to be for game one of the playoffs you have said the rest is necessary and I've said getting in a game is necessary based on kind of how we're seeing this path to getting him ready for game one but it's interesting like Ilya Samsonov now he may be banged up a little bit maybe they're just saying well we're, we're just gonna rest him because he's nursing something and he it's, it's really not much of anything like he could have played if if he needed to. But Samsonov is not playing in their final game. So this, this equation that we kind of spelled out for Vasilevsky, where if the series does not start until next Tuesday, it will be a full week for Vasilevsky between starts. Samsonov is going to have over a week. Assuming Samsonov is starting game one, because Murray is not healthy yet, and even if he's, just getting there, he hasn't played in weeks. So it makes sense that Samsonov is the game one starter. And even if Murray is healthy, maybe they opt to go with Samsonov, be that as it may. Samsonov does not have a problem with having seven days off or six days off if the series starts Monday and then coming in. Maybe Vasi feels the same way. Maybe you're right. Maybe Elliott gets the start on Thursday because Vasilevsky got his work in yesterday and he's going to take the rest of the week to, to get ready for game one of the playoffs. I will still maintain. I think he wants that game because he doesn't want to go five, six days in between game action. Yeah. And one maybe, of us is going to be right. One of us is going to well, be wrong and, and tomorrow. Maybe, and then the question is, what other players potentially might be given the night off on Thursday?
1: And you could have made a case. Maybe Vasilevsky was a little off because he hadn't played. In a couple of games. And so I fully acknowledge there is a chance that happens. I I guess I would say, you know what, that's just the risk I'm willing to take because the the other downside to that is something happens to him in that last game. And now you don't even have an option in in game one. And if you lose game one, that doesn't mean you lose the series, although everybody will give you the statistics that (laughs) break it all down when it comes to. Well, they lost game one last year in
0: Toronto and won the series.
1: They did, they did. But you, 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 Dave, as you know, in the playoffs, everything is magnified. So (laughs) anybody who loses game one will obviously see some stats that come out. Well, the team who loses game one, you know, uh, will lose the series sixty-five percent of the time. And I'm just kind of like, all right, well, whatever. You know, that's it is what it is. Um, So I, I agree with you. I think you know when you take a look at. Where the Lightning are. Personally, this probably won't be a popular opinion amongst players. Maybe it would be. I
0: don't know. I would just rather not play the game on Thursday. <laughs> Yeah, just well, say, Point wants to get his 50th goal. He does. And he's going to have to earn it. I see, mean, the other teams where, are, are keying on him.
1: But, like, the integrity of the game's not being lost, right? Detroit doesn't really have anything to play for. The Correct. Lightning don't either. Lottery I were, odds, I guess, yeah, yeah. would be I, it. But if I were to sit there and tell you, Dave, you know what? This is a game where I would like to dress a few of the Syracuse Crunch players. That and is not going to happen, though. Can't you happen. know that. No, I know right? it can't happen. <laughs> but, like, this, that would be how I would view it. I would make this a glorified preseason game. I would rest most of my regulars. I would bring up a couple of guys who are deserving more than enough and get their feet wet. And I understand there's personal accomplishments the guys want to achieve. Maybe if Braden points in there for the first uh, period and he hits it, yeah, you yank him and he doesn't play anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting to see. If Braden point got 50 early on, would you even play him the rest of the game?
0: Well, look, the Lightning can't call up players from Syracuse. No, they can't. We, we've been we can, through this. They yes, but they, can. they can. With with Judeau taking one of the the roster spots of a player who's not going to play, you do have the option. Well, more than the option, you do sit two other players. So who's going to sit? Maybe Who this would, is a game players? like you've mentioned, Headman. Maybe this is a game that Headman gets off. They have the extra defenseman. They could they could easily substitute a guy in for Headman if they wanted to give Victor. The night off. You could pull a forward if you wanted to, particularly if that forward is, you know, still dealing with something. We saw, you know, Maroon leave the game yesterday after he fell awkwardly in the first period, stayed in, scored a goal that was taken away on a coach's challenge, and then fought Luke Shen. But I think he was held out because of that that weird play when he fell early in the game. And we saw Sorelli and Hagel miss the Islander game because they were dealing with with issues day to day. And maybe you want to give one of them Thursday off. So we'll see. I mean, the Lightning have options to sit two guys that might be regulars. Which kind of goes to what you're saying. If the game doesn't mean anything other than this one individual accomplishment, which I think the Lightning want point to get to 50, then you you could sit other guys. I'll say, though, Mitch Marner was at 99 points, and they sat him out. So now, if he plays against the Rangers, that's their last game tomorrow. You know, he only has one game to get to 100. And if they say, you know what, Mitch, we're going to you out game 82 as well, then he's going to finish the season with 99 points. I don't know how important that is to him to hit 100. but
1: I mean, I think it means something to the players.
0: Yeah. The coaches ultimately have the, the
1: final say. And again, I think every team is different. Toronto's probably looking at uh, a bigger picture there than Mitch Marner getting 100 points. Yes. You know, they they want him ready to go come playoff time. And I I know I I don't want to break it down into just one game. I understand that. But look, every team's different with their objectives, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, let me ask you this before we take some questions. What do you think is a bigger issue for the league to make sure they don't see happen a team tanking to get the first overall pick understanding they've changed the rules a little bit so it's not a slam yeah. dunk or a team at the end of the at the end of the year that doesn't dress a few regulars because it's load
0: management i think well i, I think don't the integrity think, of the game. yeah tanking i don't think is, that's is about worse. the integrity of the game though sorry greg i don't think They're that's good. about the integrity of the game i think it's about circumventing the cap yeah They put in a hard cap and they adhere to that hard cap come hell or high water. Other leagues have a looser cap, a soft cap, is what I should say. Yeah. There are exceptions. I mean, the Lightning—I shouldn't say the Lightning. The NHL does have some exceptions in place. Like, if you play short a game, you can summon a player. If you put somebody on long-term injury, you can go over the cap. But compared to the other leagues, the NHL's cap is a hard cap. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to— Create any additional exceptions to that, which would fall in the category of what you were spelling out, or what you were spelling out falls in the category of that. Look, you could do load management if you had the cap space. The league doesn't have a problem with it. I maintain it's not really something we see a lot in the sport of hockey, although the Leafs have done a little bit here down the stretch. I think it has everything to do with staying under the cap for these teams and and very little to do with who's in and who's not in. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it's, but, it's a valid opinion. And look, when if and when the cap goes up and teams have a little bit more wriggle room, although you can make the argument that it's like, oh, we have a little bit more room in the glass. Let's fill it to the top, right? You're just going to use that extra space. But like we and and you've made this point that with COVID, things have become exacerbated in terms of the cap squeezing teams. But eventually the cap is going to start to go up again and teams you would figure should have a little bit more teams will have more elbow room. And then at the end of the year, if you manage the cap well enough through the year, you could rest guys if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I, I think <laughs> you should do what you need to do. I know, you've said that. You should do what you need to do as a team. And what's best for the franchise. What's best for you is different than what's best for, let's say, the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday. So yeah. We'll see how yeah, that they, plays they out. Yeah, they they have
0: injuries, but they're playing their regulars. Yeah, I well, they Billy should. So, Billy Huso is scratched. So I'm not sure, I confess, folks, I'm sorry. I haven't been keeping up to date on the day-to-day goings-on with the Red Wings. But I don't know if Huso is hurt or they're just resting but nadelkovich played in the game at carolina last night against his yeah. former team and and the hurricanes won that game so the hurricanes we can do a quick update on on the east and the west so the west is now set at least the eight teams are set the seeding is not yet set but winnipeg has clinched mm-hmm. the second wild card we know that so those eight teams are in in the east Oh, Pittsburgh. (laughs) Pittsburgh is not eliminated, but they certainly blew an opportunity. So that loss by the Penguins got the Panthers in. How about that? The Panthers have clinched, but they have not clinched the first wild card. So the Islanders play tonight. If the Islanders win the game tonight, they will leapfrog the Panthers in the standings, meaning that the Panthers would need to get points out of the game tomorrow, their final game against Carolina, Carolina will have something at stake because the Hurricanes and Devils are separated by a point and neither team plays tonight. So Devils win the tiebreak, Carolina has a one-point lead. It's the difference between finishing first and seeing the first wild card team or finishing second and seeing the Rangers in the first round. So the Panthers are going to be seeing a team with something at stake. If the Islanders lose tonight to Montreal, Or only get a point. That keeps, if if the Islanders lose in regulation, Pittsburgh's still alive. But whether they lose in regulation or overtime, the Panthers are locked in as the first wild card. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But my point is that whether the Panthers are locked in as the first wild card or not, their opponent will have something at stake tomorrow, Carolina. I want to get to this Pittsburgh game before we get to questions because I had mentioned to you yesterday. Yeah, go ahead. If the Penguins lose either one of these final two games and they already lost one of them, they're not eliminated yet, but now they're going to need help again. It would go down as maybe one of the worst regular season losses in franchise history, and and you said, well, that may be true, but I don't have confidence that they're going to win both of these games. So I'm looking at Ron Cook, who wrote, the article Ron, Ron for the Post Gazette. He's
1: been there forever.
0: Well, and so this as they call in him context. Cookie. They call
1: him Cookie. Cookie.
0: So this is this <laughs> is the header, or this is the first couple of paragraphs from his article. There is only one way to describe the Penguins' five-two loss to the Chicago Blackhawks Tuesday night. It was the worst regular season loss <laughs> of the Sidney Crosby era. He was listening to you. Well, yeah, and I said franchise history. He prefaced yeah. it in the Crosby era. Yeah. Go ahead, try to find a worse one. Let me put it another way. This defeat was so bad, the ticket holders who received the players' jerseys on shirt off their backs, fan appreciation, I probably wanted to give them back. Quote, we just didn't get it done, a glum Mike Sullivan said. So here's the part that I knew you would appreciate. In some ways, the loss was stunning. The Penguins had been given unexpected life in the playoff chase Monday night when the Capitals surprised the Islanders. They could have taken a big step toward their 17th consecutive postseason trip by beating a Blackhawks team that had played Monday night in Chicago and had lost 11 of its previous 12 games, all of the defeats by at least two goals. Mm -hmm. But in other ways, this defeat was all too predictable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was predictable. I think that kind
0: of hit all the points, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it did. So he finished that little segment with... Kind of what you were saying that i mean too many games this year the penguins let slip through their fingers that they shouldn't have
1: terrible team
0: protecting the leads they're notorious for scoring
1: and then the other team coming back with like 15 seconds after they score and and tying things up i mean it's just those
0: are all cardinal sins cardinal
1: sins and i think it's fair to point out you mentioned this off air yesterday when we were talking about mike sullivan those if if you believe that coaching plays a big role in a team winning and losing Not having your team do those things, that's on the coach then if you want to go that route. And too many times this year, that team had those breakdowns. Now, can you get on Ron Hextoff or how he constructed the team? No doubt about it. Some really bad contracts he gave out to aging veterans that didn't make a lot of sense at the time. Understanding all of that, you still had a chance to get into the playoffs. You controlled your own destiny, and you didn't do it. And that, I think, for them, is something that'll be hard to to swallow. Especially, I think, collectively, when you look at the numbers, at least, Dave, Crosby and Malkin basically played the whole year. No health issues. And they were a point-per-game player. And, you know, Chris Letang, uh, outside of some very tough circumstances he had to deal with this year, was somebody who was basically in the lineup as well. So three of your aging veterans produced pretty well. And it was very top heavy. Very top heavy. Not not a lot going on in that bottom 6 and their defensemen struggled, but that, that's well, a
0: tough pill to swallow for them. I can tell you cuz I know Mike Sullivan. It's not as if Mike Sullivan is saying, "Okay, we just scored a goal boys, let's yeah, right. take the, our foot off the gas." I'm sure he's I mean, not. Correct. Is, so then it, it begs the question, because the coach is telling them, be aware, right? We just – important sh- – it's not that, that Phil and I say it because we like saying it. Like, that is that is a, a long-held truth in hockey. The shift after a goal for or against is one of the most important shifts in a game. Because it's it's a um, like a fulcrum for momentum swinging, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, a team can build momentum off a goal it just scored, or the other team can push back immediately – and grab momentum back. Sure. So Mike Sullivan knows this, so why is the message not getting through? And well, that's that's something listen, management has to figure out. And it
1: could be. You know, look, we, we're in this weird era where sometimes coaches and their messages, they fall on deaf ears. I mean, that could be it too. John mm-hmm. Cooper is a little bit of the unicorn here. Would you agree? I mean, even yeah. you know, if Mike Babcock can get fired or let go... <laughs> And most people would say, look, he was a, a really good coach. I mean, what's the saying? It's it's a player, not a, a coach. Wayne Gretzky. If Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded. So I, I yeah. think with coaches, it, it's probably even a, a, a lesser thing when it comes to job
0: stability. But yeah. And it's I mean, also easier to replace one head coach correct. than, you know, kind of reconfigure your roster, particularly in the cap era. That is true. When, you know, you are more locked into contracts, contracts can be harder to move. Coaching's got to be a frustrating profession, too, though,
1: because you can you can hammer home everything. And if your players don't go out and do it, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you just kind of sit there and say, OK, well. This is uh what more can I do as a coach? You know, if they're not going to follow through, don't know. Don't know. At Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can do that. Uh what else did we talk about? I will finish with, yeah, with this ahead. though.
0: Like the Chicago win at Pittsburgh was unexpected. Shocking. Let's let's use that word. I mean it was shocking. Montreal is at the Islanders tonight. Who's to say the same couldn't happen? Now, my feeling is the Islanders have been given a lifeline a huge <laughs> right. gift right yeah and they know if they they win this game tonight they're in yeah so it's not win two it's win one win tonight and we have punched our ticket yeah so it seems hard to fathom that they yep. could lose this game but who knows that pittsburgh chicago game was zero zero into the second period it was and when you when you have so much at stake and you're not getting rewarded and you're still tied and you're like oh like the pressure can mount maybe that i mean you were watching the game more than i was Certainly, <laughs> we were calling the the lightning leafs game but i don't know if if as the game went farther along and the penguins couldn't get the lead if it if it played a role and that may happen to the islanders tonight who knows
1: well the stick tighter. it little would help tighter. them
0: to jump out to an early lead is what yeah. i'm saying the stick gets a little tighter yeah
1: and look the other team has nothing to play for That's the other thing.
0: Loosey-goosey
1: in some ways. Like, if you're Montreal tonight, Dave, you're letting it fly. You're just letting it fly. Yeah. Just go. I mean, what what do you have to lose? Oh, another game?
0: Okay. Well, you know, that's been happening all year. Right. You have a chance. They are coming off a whooping. Uh, They've played since then, haven't they? But they got hammered by Toronto 7-1. Right. So, I mean, I think. Last weekend. Do they have a chance to be a spoiler tonight? Yeah.
1: I mean, you want to play psychology? This is your playoff game. See if you can you can ruin it for the Islanders mm-hmm. and kind of go from there. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Astra G says, I admit I was more interested in whether Point would net his 50th last night than the final results. Unfortunately, it seemed at times like his teammates shared those priorities and allowed themselves to get out of sync, trying to feed him.
0: Well, the good news, Astra G, is that that will not be the case in the playoffs. Point's either going to get to 50 or he's not. And then in game one of the playoffs, they're not going to go out of their way to try and get him the puck. But I understand why they were doing that last night, and they'll probably do it again tomorrow.
1: Al says Vasi needs to start Thursday. He needs a win and find a groove. He'll have plenty of time to rest before Monday. And if the team continues its play, as they have been, he'll have plenty of time to rest in two weeks. <laughs> do you, think, <laughs> yes. any black ace? Do you <laughs> think any black aces will be called up?
0: So he had a couple of points there. I, I think Vasi is less concerned about getting a win, like his mental state. Like, I need a win before the playoffs begin. I think he likes getting the work in. And game action is different than practicing. I mean, you're seeing a lot of pucks in practice. But I think that what we've seen from Vasilevsky is he likes to be in games. He doesn't like having a long interval with no game action. That's how I want to say it. So that's why I have leaned toward more than leaned. I've been, I've been convinced that he was going to start tomorrow, and Al is on board with that as well. You take a different approach, Greg, and like I said, we'll, we'll find out who gets the start tomorrow. But I think that whether Vasilevsky starts and wins tomorrow or starts and doesn't win, I think it's more about seeing the pucks than the results for him. In terms of what he needs to do to get ready for game one, the Lightning understand that the result of tomorrow's game does not matter. I mean, except maybe they they'd like to finish on a on a higher note, so they're not going into the playoffs with a five game losing streak. His question about the Black Aces. So I, I spelled out the the weird AHL playoff format the other mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Last time I checked, Syracuse was in third place. But the teams that they play, I think they have three games left all this week. Today's Wednesday, is it possible they play three games this week? They they must, because I saw this is the last Would they movie, go Friday, Saturday, season. Sunday? I think they play tonight. I think it might right. be a Wednesday, Friday, Saturday situation okay. or something like that. So the team that is right behind them mm-hmm. is Rochester. And the team that is directly in front of them is Utica, and they're all gotcha. separated by like a point or two, and two of their final games are against Utica. So they could finish as high as second, or they could drop to fourth, theoretically. And in that division, two plays five, three plays four, in a best of three. So that best of three is going to start the same week that the Lightning and Leafs start their series. So, Al, I don't think anyone is going to come up while Syracuse is in the playoffs. If Syracuse loses that two out of three series, though, you will see players come up. I think if Syracuse wins that two out of three series and then the, the quote-unquote first round, or maybe it's not the first round, not how they're calling it, the next round is a best of five where you have however they're doing it. I mean, I guess you would have three teams left in that division, so I'm not entirely yeah. certain how they're, how they're doing the playoffs. But anyway... The next series is a best of five, and that's a longer series that would probably take us to the end of the first round of Lightning Leafs. So here is my feeling: if Syracuse can get past the two out of three, we're not going to see any black aces up. I may be wrong about that. I mean, if the Lightning—well, certainly if the Lightning have injuries and they need reinforcements to actually fill the lineup, they'll call up guys. But the quote-unquote black aces where you have extra guys with you, we're not going to see that until Syracuse is out of the playoffs, which could come. Lightning don't want this, but it could come as quickly as like middle of next week if they drop the two games in a row. They get that two out of three done pretty quickly, Greg, Mm because there are teams that have earned a bye, like Toronto Marlies have earned a bye. They're in first place. They don't want the Marlies sitting for two weeks, right? (laughs) Sure. So I think that's how it's going to unfold. And again, we mentioned this the other day. The Lightning wants Syracuse to do well in the playoffs. They want their their prospects playing in playoff action. Yeah, I think you're right. There's he no asked which that. Black Aces? I mean, look, I think Balsers makes sense. I think Cole Kepke makes sense. He was up earlier this year. Simon Ryfors is at a very good year. I'm talking about the forwards now.
1: He'd be a guy that'd be yeah, interesting. Yeah, you're always going
0: to bring up a goalie. Where's so, Barry Boulay? Barry Boulay is having a terrific career in the minors, and he's having a terrific season again, and he would probably be one of the black aces too. Boy, he, but that's a Julian Breezebub, Matthew Darsh <laughs> question. As, as, has,
1: has Barry Boulay fallen off the face of the earth to some extent in terms of like, where he is with this Lightning? Team, I, I feel like there was no mention of him this year. You yeah, know, you well, hear, he came up for one game, right? Right, but it, it it even feels like the last two years, Dave. Uh, I don't know. Did did he? Was his time a couple of years ago? Remember when they had Kachuk and Radish, yeah. and there was all that beginning conversation of last year? That, yeah, beginning of last year. I do it. It feels like that was his time to do something. Now, to his credit, he's gone down there and played well. I just very well. I don't know what his future is. He can only control his play, and he's done a very good job of that. But mm-hmm. I think, the, not the fear, but the question you had with Barry Boulay, was he just going to be kind of a tweener? A really good AHL player, comes up for the NHL, and just doesn't really find his role. Right. I don't know. And I, I don't know. Some would say actions speak louder than words when it comes to how a player is is used in an organization. But I, it's just an observation. It just you haven't heard a ton of buzz about him. Well, maybe we can talk to one of the
0: Stacy Roos at some point. Yeah. We well, look, those guys. I'm looking at Syracuse's team stats. Yeah. Barry Boulay has 81 points. The next closest guy is 53. Ryfors.
1: How many did Darren Radish have before he got called? Radish had 51. I was gonna say 50 he was probably right, right there. Yeah, he was.
0: Yeah, right he's there. still third on their team in it's points. Incredible. Gage Gonzalez has 50. And I mentioned this Trevor Carrick on defense. Yeah. He has 15 goals from the blue line. That's a good number. Very good number. He That's is, a really good he's number. kind of flown under the radar a bit here. And I know that I had talked about Lucas Edmonds, mm-hmm. that he had a very strong second half of the year. Yeah. So he has 15 goals and 27 points. I think the vast majority of those have come in the second half of the year. And another guy that we haven't mentioned, Greg, is Phil Myers. So, I mean, as, in terms of bit. black aces, Myers would come up because, you know, he has NHL experience, unlike a lot of these other guys that could be part of the black aces. Yeah. But that is assuming Syracuse's season is done. Right. And the Lightning are still going in the playoffs. Hope that answers your question. Al. Do you think we've gotten any closer to what we think the lineup will look like in terms of 12, 6, 11 and 7? Do you think that's well, on the table? By the way? Yeah, I think twelve and six is more likely, like I said the other day, because the lightning haven't used eleven and seven that much. But what do you make of AC Mont seeing fairly regular time with point and Kucherov? We saw that a bit in the Ottawa game, and AC Mont Mon had luck. an assist make... on points forty nine cole. Yeah. We saw it a little bit yeah. last night too. I don't make much of that. You think Coop's just yeah kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall? I do. I do.
1: Because there's a guy who hasn't played. <laughs> A ton here lately, and I mean, if if that sticks, he'd have a pretty big role in the playoffs, wouldn't he?
0: In terms, he would of have a very big with. role in the playoffs. Yes, I don't, I don't know. Well, when they did that, and that was in the second half of last night's game, and last night's game was weird anyway because Maroon was was done for the night yeah. at that point, and we had all the special teams, right? But basically, the way the lineup looked from the middle of the game onward. Because mm-hmm. they started with Hegel with Point and Kucherov and Stamp Ghost with Klorin and Paul. Right. And you had Sorelli with Colton and Mott, and then the school bus line. So you pull Maroon out because mm-hmm. he didn't play after the first period. And basically what they did is they had Aceymont with Point and Kucherov and they put Hegel with Paul and Colton. If I'm remembering right. And then you had Sorelli, Kalorn, and Stamp goes together. I think that's how the, the three lines looked. And then Belmar and Perry were together with a roving. Correct. You know, third guy on that line because they were short maroon. Mm-hmm. So do I think that's going to be the, the look of the lines in the playoffs? My hunch would say no. I mean, you're putting maroon back in, presumably. But we're going to find out in next week. <laughs> we're going to see how John Cooper decides to go with it. I mean, the Leafs are are rotating their lines, too. But what they have down the middle, and, and this is something, was it Nick Alberga mentioned this yesterday, and it's a great point. The Leafs have added depth. There's no question. I was super impressed with Achari last night. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play like it was a preseason game. You like him, though. I do you like him, him as a player. but I I liked him last night more than I've liked him in some other games in which he has played. <laughs> like he wasn't as impactful when the Lightning and Blues played earlier this year, and yeah, you know, he was a good player for Florida. And the teams saw each other. He played in that 2021 series, and then remember he got hurt in the preseason game in Orlando, yeah, and missed a, a chunk of time the next year for for the Panthers. Now he's healthy. I thought he was a hungry player last night. Really, really effective in, in how he was utilized. But Nick's point was, down the middle, the Leafs have Matthews, Tavares, and O'Reilly. And that is not something they necessarily have had in past years. And while Achari can play center, I think Camp is really their their other center, assuming they don't you know, put two of the centers on the same line if they decide to mix things up. That's a pretty formidable down-the-middle-from-one-to-four lineup configuration that you can throw with the other team. So the Lightning, we talk about yeah. Lightning's depth at forward. Yeah. Whether they score or not, they're going to have to try and match up. And when I say match up, I'm talking about driving play. Make O'Reilly's line play in the defensive zone. Make Tavares's line play in the defensive zone don't let Camp's line spend a shift in your end. Push back. That's what they want to do. They want to be an annoying pest line. It's like, all right, we got a break from Matthew's line. Camp's line's out there. Camp's line just spent the whole shift in the offensive zone. Because then the Matthew's line is going to come out next. They're going to build off of that, right? So that is where what Nick was talking about, like the forward depth, and you have mentioned it too, like, the Lightning are going to need to to elevate, essentially. And they did it last night. I mean, they dominated possession in the second and third, but that Leafs lineup was not the one that we're going to see next week. Yeah. Clearly.
1: Oh, love it. Right, let's just, uh, you don't know. You don't know how this is going to. Go out, but I I do like what Toronto did, you know, and Lafferty's another guy. A lot of speed, some size. Hard-nosed player. Like, he plays with jam. By the way, how about Luke Shen and Pat Maroon fighting yesterday?
0: (laughs) Did you see that coming? Did you see that coming? Well, not necessarily. I think Maroon didn't like the big check Luke laid on him, and it was a spontaneous combustion, basically, and they decided to fight. But, you know, Luke is fighting to get in the lineup and stay in the lineup. He's kind of in the 6'7 role, and he has had to sit for some games. In fact, he was going to sit against the Panthers as an eighth defenseman. And then Eric Gustafson, another guy they acquired at the deadline, got hurt in warm-ups yeah. and had to leave. So Luke came in as a seventh defenseman, and then the Leafs opted to rest Jordano right. last night. So they dressed six, and Luke was, was one of the six. Yeah. Right, so... Without Gustafson and without Giordano, Luke Shen is in their top six. But if both those guys are going to be able to go, and Giordano will be, I mean, he was that was a coach's decision. But if Gustafson has recovered, and it didn't seem like it was overly serious, but why why play the guy, right? Yeah. You know, is Luke going to be in the lineup? Maybe he's saying to the coach, you know what, put me in. Brian Engbaum mentioned that on the last call. So I'm going to give credit to Brian on that, that – Quick shot he had too against Vasi.
1: Do you think Vasi just didn't pick it up? You might it have might been, been a screen, screen but
0: I, I actually felt those were un like goals, both of them the Nylander goal in the first and the Shen goal in the first. I think Shen uh, was hard to quibble on, on goals three and four. Right. One was a scramble play and the power play, and Yarncrook roofs it, and then the other was the turnover and Nyes, who got his first point in the NHL let a bomb go, like, right in the slot, point blank. Vasi got all of it, almost all of it, and it just dropped down behind him, and O'Reilly was there to to slam it in. So, I mean, goals three and four were not on Vasi, but I think goals one and two are usually ones that we see him stop. Yeah. But it was a good shot from Shen. We've seen Luke score from that spot before. Boy, was he a hot commodity a little bit at the trade deadline. Yeah, of, uh, You had a lot of buzz around him. Good for well, him. Well, playoff experience, and he adds the the grit and the toughness. And depending on how a series is going, we saw that with Lightning Islanders in the bubble, like he can be a real asset to your team. But the question is, are the other guys that they have in the fold ahead of him on the depth chart? Yeah. Rigo says,
1: I look forward to the goaltender interference discussion. Well, that
0: was a clear one.
1: I thought it was pretty clear. I mean, yeah. Perry, Perry blocked the goaltender wall from yeah. sliding over, right? I mean, that's... Uh,
0: I was chatting with Brian Engblom during the intermission, and he said, I felt it was goalie interference because Perry kind of knew what he was doing. And I said, honestly, Brian, the way I understand the rule, and again, Don Kowarski spelled this out for me a few years ago, whether Perry had intent or not doesn't matter if it's in the crease. Yeah contact on the goalie in the crease will always be ruled for goalie interference unless the defender pushes the attacking player into the goalie in the crease Mm -hmm. if you see contact in the crease with that one exception except for that one exception it's coming off the board once you get outside the crease if there's contact outside the crease then it becomes more of a judgment call Kind of who initiated the contact, did the attacking player do everything he could to get out of the way, was the goalie's ability to make the save impeded. I think it becomes a little bit more gray outside the crease, but the crease is the goaltender's domain. That's why it it took the officials about 10 seconds to look at that and rule it as a no goal. We try and educate on this show best we can. There's stuff that I don't know, like the long-term injury thing. I mean, I was we learned about that. Once we learned about it, we shared it. But the goalie interference call, that one, was way more black and white than some of the others
1: that we've seen. Yeah, I didn't even think it was a dispute. Uh, Lastly, Al wants to know, too, is this the year we see two Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup final? Well, if that's the case,
0: it would be the Leafs. Mm -hmm. Because they're the only Canadian team in the East. You have the Jets and the Oilers in the West. And they could meet in the first round if the Oilers catch Vegas. I think the winner of the Pacific is now locked in. I I may be wrong about this. I think they're locked in as the number one seed. Yeah. Let me look at the standings real quick. So Dallas and Colorado... Dallas can get to 108, so they can't catch Vegas. Colorado can get to 109 and theoretically catch Vegas or Edmonton. I'm not sure about the tiebreaker. I don't have that open, but it's it looks likely that the winner of the Pacific will get the number one seed and play Winnipeg in the first yeah. round. Yeah. So. Yeah, Vegas. Would Vegas would have the tiebreaker over Colorado. Thank you, Steve. All right, so so it is locked in that the winner of the Pacific. Will be the number one seed. Yes, will be the number one seed, and if Toronto, I feel comfortable saying this: if Toronto gets the Stanley Cup final, they will have knocked off the record-setting President's Trophy-winning Bruins. That is true. Unless so you are saying no, Wild Card Two example. upsets the Bruins in the first round. That's Phil is dead. He upset. thinks Phil Phil feels the Panthers would give the Bruins a heck of a series.
1: Hmm? I think it'd be shocking, but, you know, look, in, in a parody-driven world we live in, maybe shouldn't be completely surprised. Although, again, the record they've had this year, just hard to envision. Mm-hmm. But, you know what, the Panthers, what what do they have to lose, Dave? You're going to be a heavy underdog. Get in there. Yep. If that's If that ends up... If that ends up happening. Well, we've got one more game and then the fun can begin next week. We will have all the coverage for everybody
0: on these airwaves. Steve, real quick. Do we have plans for expanded coverage in the playoffs like in years past? Yes, but not ready to announce yet. Okay. Steve is still brewing the pot. He's looking. He's He's putting in ingredients into the cauldron to figure out what's going to come out the other side
1: he's like the lightning they're going to look at the lineup and see what works best <laughs> yes <laughs> well power
0: lunch will be here Power Lunch 12 will be to 1 or on your favorite podcasting yes.
1: yes platform keep those questions rolling and we'll get to them it's going to be a lot of fun and the uh, playoffs are always bigger so we'll be right there with you partner we'll do it again tomorrow noon to one
0: look talk to you tomorrow to... lightning right, wings, game 82 can't
1: wait can't wait and uh, thank you to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Greg lanella You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.